Today we're going to be looking at the parable of the rich fool. And I just want to start by saying we are all in this room rich. Do you know that you're rich? Are some of you thinking I'm not rich? You are all rich. The question today that we have to look at is will we be fools or will we have life? It feels like, just being honest with you, it feels like it's been forever since I've been up here speaking to you. Like last week, Pastor Jay spoke, and like it feels like I haven't preached to you in like a year. And I'm so glad to get to look into God's Word today, and I'm also extremely thankful for the people, the staff, the leaders of this church. Jay, you did a wonderful job last week, and I appreciate you, and I appreciate all of our staff, our worship team, Everyone, it is so good to be a part of this family. And, and so, but, but I'm excited to be up here again today. I, as much as I enjoyed hearing Jay preach, I missed preaching. And I want to look into God's word with you today. We're going to look at the parable of the rich fool. So this series, the stories that shape us, we're looking at the parables that Jesus told to shape the people. He, he told stories. That was one of his primary ways of teaching as he would tell stories called parables. And each of these parables was meant to contrast our world, our kingdom, and God's kingdom and to teach us what it means to be a follower of Christ. And so today's parable is the rich fool. It's in Luke chapter 12. And, and as I started, we are all rich And so every single one of us should be able to find ourselves in this story, and every single one of us should be challenged by this story. So I'm going to read it, and you can follow along on the screen. I'm starting in verse 13. It says, Someone in the crowd said to him, said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, (laughs) man, do you hear that? Man, I love that. That's great. Like, that's how I talk. Like, if someone, if one of my kids is bugging me or saying something, I'm like, man, could you back off? Jesus says, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter over between you? Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Now take, it, take life easy, eat, drink, And be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Verse 21 This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Today we're going to be talking about a sensitive subject. Listen, if you talk about money too much, the the statistics show that people will stop coming to church if you talk about money too much. But man, Jesus talked about money quite a bit. He talked about wealth quite a bit, and he is addressing a rich fool. And so today, I, I know this might be uncomfortable. I would ask you, please don't 
leave just because we're talking about finances and wealth. But today, we're going to look at three people. We're going to look at at this man who comes to Jesus and asks him the question, this man who reaches out from the crowd and says, hey, could you help me out with my inheritance? So we're gonna look at that man in a second, and then the second person we're gonna look at is this rich fool in the parable, and then we're gonna get to a third person, and and we'll get to that later. So let's start with the first man. We can learn from each of these. Um, The first man, it says in verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, if there was a crowd and somebody blurted out, hey, teacher, I need you to take care of my inheritance situation, we would think, like, like, what would you think about that person? You would think, hey, back off. Like, this isn't about you, but... I want you to get the full context of what's happening here. At the beginning of chapter 12, it says this, meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples. So setting the picture here, we've got thousands of people gathered around Jesus the great teacher, the Messiah. We've got thousands of people gathered around and Jesus is teaching them and they can't get enough of it and they wanna hear more and Jesus is teaching truth, kingdom truth, truth of life. And this guy, this one guy, interrupts to ask Jesus to to help him and make a judgment on his inheritance. He says, he interrupts the whole thing. He speaks out in the midst of thousands and says, hey, Jesus, I got something that's important. Could you help me with my inheritance? Do you see what's wrong with that? How many of you, if I was speaking and one of you stood up and said, hey, I've got a personal problem I'd like to talk to you about, how, what would you think? I mean, this guy, I mean, this is crazy. Thousands of people learning from Jesus, and he has the audacity to stand up and interrupt and say, hey, can you help me with my personal issue? This first thing we see about this first man is that he is stuck. He cannot think of anything else. While all of these other things are going on, while Jesus is teaching and all these people are gathered in, the only thing that this man can think about is his inheritance. He is stuck. Have you ever been there with something where you were just so focused in on it that you couldn't get past it? This, I know I I talk about this a lot, but like we can be in the middle of a really serious family conversation And one of my kids will just be stuck on the iPad, the toys, whatever it is. And we can be in the middle of this serious conversation. One of my kids can come up and we can have company over. We had company over last night. And one of my kids comes up and is tapping on my arm. And, hey, Daddy, hey, Daddy, can I play on the iPad? And, I mean, just, and Jesus is like, man, what's wrong with you? What's going on here? You are so stuck that you're missing something huge happening. This man is missing all of the truth and goodness that Jesus has to offer because he can't think of anything other 
than his inheritance. This is incredible. This first man is stuck. His focus is completely stuck on money, on wealth. So that's our, that's our first guy. There is a problem here. He is being selfish. He, is, he can't think of anything else. So Jesus' response, it says, then he said to them, this is verse 15, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. I think this is a pretty nice way for Jesus to respond to this man who is interrupting, who is clearly selfish and focused in, who is stuck, and Jesus responds by saying, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. The, the, the word that's used here is, is philosoph- I'm going to mess it up, philosophies, whatever it is. I, I said it perfect in first service. What's up with that? Someone asked me this morning, how do you say that word? And I said, I don't know. I'm just going to say it, and people are going to think it's right. Um, but is it up on the board? There you go. Everyone say it with me so you guys can mess it up. One, two, three, go. All right. You guys are better than me. Whatever. Um, so you guys want to preach? <laughs> So so Jesus says, be on guard. He says, guard. This word that's used that I'm not going to butcher again, this word literally draws the picture of a shepherd that is caring for sheep. And so the shepherd that's caring for the sheep has to constantly be watching, has to constantly be on guard because there are threats all around to the sheep. If he doesn't pay attention, one can wander off and be lost. If he doesn't pay attention, an animal can come and steal one or hurt one. And so this word is saying, be on guard, watch out, beware, keep your focus. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. What Jesus is saying here is that if we're not careful, if we are not guarding ourselves against greed, we will fall into this temptation. We will fall into the temptation of becoming selfish and making everything about ourselves. The problem that this first man had is that he was coveting his inheritance. He was coveting, that's an abnormal desire. It's an, coveting is an abnormal desire for something material. And this man was stuck on his inheritance. And Jesus responds, by saying, you need to guard, you need to be focused, you need to protect yourself from greed, from coveting. And so this man has missed it. We see it right here, first person. He has missed it, and he is focused in, and he is stuck on something that is not the most important thing. Why does he need to guard? Because life does not consist and an abundance of possessions. I want you to remember these words right here. We're gonna come back to them later. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Remember that. Let's, Let's move on. This guy missed it. Number one, he missed it. Let's move on to the second person, and that's the rich fool in the parable. I think we can tell by the name rich fool that he's probably not someone we will look up to or somebody that also missed it. So starting in verse 16. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. 
Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, I'll build bigger ones, and there I will store the surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you then who will get all that you have prepared for yourself? So the first guy is stuck on his inheritance. The second guy, what do we know about him? First off, we know that he was already rich. He already was a rich man before he got this abundant crop that came in. He was already in good shape. And so he was rich. The second thing we know is that he was a rich man that had an abundant crop. So not only was he now rich, but he was rich beyond what he could handle. He gets more, the, the rich get richer. That's a saying we use. He just gets more and he has this abundant crop and so he is richer in things. And, and, and then the third thing we know is this. His response to his richness, his response to this abundant crop is I'm gonna live it up. I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm going to find a place for all this stuff, and I'm going to kick back, and I'm going to take it easy, and I'm going to live the life. That's his response. The fourth thing we know is that, that God says, you fool. He has obviously missed it. So let's look at why. There's a few reasons we can see from this text why this guy would be called a fool. Honestly, when we think in our culture, if you're rich and you get more, it doesn't seem like what he does is that bad. I mean, he makes more room and stores more, but God calls him a fool. Let's see why. The first thing is he becomes totally selfish. By my count, this man thinks or says 58 words in this story. 58 words. How many of them are about himself? 11. He says, I have gotten rich with my stuff, and so what I am going to do is I will build bigger barns for me, and then I will live it up, and I will take it easy. 11 out of his 58 words are about himself. How many of his words are about God. Zero. This man has been, he's already rich, he's given an abundance, and his response is to totally become self-consumed, selfish, and all he can think about is what am I going to do with my stuff? Do you see how ridiculous that is? I told you earlier, we are all rich. Can I tell you another thing? It's all from God. Nothing we have is our own. Nothing we have comes from our own power. It's all from God. Our very breath and life is given to us by God. Who made the crops grow? God did. Who gave him the fields? Who gave him his mind? But when he gets rich and gets a little bit richer, all he can think about is himself. And so he becomes self-consumed. The second thing we see is that the things, the crop, the wealth, the riches become what he's all about. They become everything to him. 
He said, he said, I got a problem. I've got too much, but what should I do? I should make room because this is my ticket to life. And so he says, I'm going to build bigger barns, and then I'm going to kick my feet back, and I'm going to have it made. Why? Because I've got things. The second problem we see with this guy is that he finds his riches and things. I love John Piper. He's a great preacher, and and he says this, the issue is not the man's, that the man's fields prospered. The issue is that God ceased to be the man's treasure. All of a sudden, it wasn't about the creator God that gives him everything. It was about the things that God has given him. And all of a sudden, his treasure, his life was completely consumed with things, just like the first guy. And so he loses God as his treasure. He stops treasuring God. There's a phrase that Jesus uses over and over again when he's talking about people who are self-consumed, who are worried about what other people think, who are worried about material things, who are coveting things. Jesus over and over again says they already have their reward. This guy has his reward. It's in a bunch of stuff, and that's all he can think about. The third thing we see is that that night his life is demanded of him he has he's rich he has this abundant crop he's got all this stuff he's going to have it made forever and that night his life would be taken from him but but i don't want to just i don't want us to miss this he had to account for what he did with his life. But if you remember back, verse 15 says what? Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. If his life was demanded from him and his possessions were his life, he'd be in good shape, right? But life does not consist of the abundance of possessions. What this is saying is you're going to die, and, and I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news today, but every one of us will one day die, and when we die, that's not the end. We will be called to account for what we've done with our life, and when I say life, I am not, our life does not consist of possessions. We know that because in the next line it says, who will get the things, who will get all the stuff that you've prepared? That's not life. Your life is demanded. That's not life. Somebody else is going to get it. And that man will be left empty. Uh, one of the commentaries I studied had this quote, and I think it's a... We, we said, all right, the two things we know about this man is that he's rich and he gets richer in things. And, and this quote that I saw is amazing. It says, poorer than the poorest beggar he had to leave this world. Here is the truth about this second guy. He was rich in things. He got his mind focused on the things. He thought these things are gonna give me life, but when he died that night, he had to account for his life, and he was found empty. And he went from being one of the richest people to poorer than the poorest beggar because all his treasure was stored up in temporary things that he couldn't take with him. Matthew 16, 
um, verse 26, Jesus says this, what good would it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they've done. Another translation of verse 20 that we saw is that your life will be demanded. The other translation, the King James says, your soul will be demanded of you. It's not about the things that you've acquired. It's about your soul. And Jesus says here in Matthew 16 that you could gain the whole world. You could have all the money, all the crops, all the cars, all the houses, all of it. Yet you couldn't trade it for your soul. When you have to give an account before God, that stuff cannot save you. And you can have it all. And if that's where your heart is and that's what your soul's tied up in, you will leave this world empty with nothing and you will not have life. Jesus is coming again and each of us will account for what we've done with our lives. So now I want to talk about the third person in this story. The first person is the guy who's in the middle of a crowd of thousands and he's so stuck on his inheritance, his things, that he has to get in there with the question and he misses it. And Jesus says, be on guard against greed. The second man is this rich man who gets richer and he has all these crops and he builds bigger barns and he kicks back and he says, I've got it because I've got things. And, and God says, you fool." You've missed it. The third person I want to talk about today is you. You. This is where it could get a little bit uncomfortable today. This is where it's a little bit uncomfortable for me. Because the third person we need to talk about, the reason Jesus is telling this story, is to teach us about the kingdom. To teach us what it means to have life. Verse 21 says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. This is about us. This is about you and me. The question is, I told you at the beginning, we are all rich. I know some of you don't think you're rich. I, I heard a sermon recently, and the guy said, you guys are all rich. And he said, but some of you are probably sitting there telling each other that you're not rich. And this guy's crazy. I'm not rich. And he said, and you're texting each other, I'm not rich on your $1,000 iPhone. We are all rich. By virtue of the fact that we are in this room, in this country, we would all find ourselves in the top percentages of wealth in the world. We are rich in things. We've got plenty. Jesus says, one day you will stand in judgment for what you've done with your life. And if you put all of your focus and all of your trust and all of your value, if your treasure is the things that you have, you will be left totally empty. But there's another option, and that's to be rich toward God. Listen, I have been, I've been dealing with this for years now. 
And I, my, my prayer is, I know it's uncomfortable to talk about wealth. My prayer is that each and every one of you will struggle with this in your heart. Because the things that we have will never be enough. They will always leave us empty. And when we stand before God, if the things are what we're standing on, we'll leave empty. But Jesus says, we should be rich towards God. You know, this is, this is confession time. I can be tempted to feel pretty good about myself when I give something away. There are moments that I feel like I'm a real generous person. And then I think about the goodness of God. I think about the fact that everything I have comes from God, that without God, I would have nothing. And I think about how much richer I need to be toward God. This is how it will be for whoever, you and I, who stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Listen, the, the phones, the cars, the houses, all of that stuff, it is earthly riches and it cannot give you life. What will give you life is our creator God and only in him can we have life to the fullest, only in God. Here's another thing that, that I've come to realize. We can never be as rich towards God as God has been towards us. Let me say that again. Everybody, wake up and hear me. You cannot be as rich towards God as God has been towards you. Listen, we are all rich in this room. We have possessions, we have phones, we have cars, we have houses, we have everything, more than we could ever need. And there, the question today is where do we find our treasure? How will we respond to the things, to the riches that we have? Will we put all of our hope and our trust in them and kick back and say, I'm gonna just live it up? Or will we be rich towards God. This is not about me asking you to give the church money. That's not what this is. But do not make the mistake of putting all of your focus. Don't get stuck on the things. Don't think that because you have things, because it, this is the temptation. If I could just make this much money, then I'd be good. If I could just live in that house, I would be good. If I could just drive that car, if I could just have that job, and we tend to get stuck on the things, and if we're not careful and if we are not on our guard, we will fall to coveting, and we will trade the life we have in God for things that we can't keep and things that can't save us. Luke 12, verse 29, Jesus goes on teaching and he says, and do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it for the pagan world runs after all such things and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom 
And these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you his kingdom. This is saying that God actually is pleased. God takes pleasure in giving to us. You can never outgive God. God is pleased to give to you. Verse 33, this is where it gets tough. Sell your possessions, give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves. Some of you are like, yeah. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Listen, the third person in the story is you. And the third person in the story is me. And the question today that I have for all of you rich people is where do you find your treasure? Are you caught up like the first guy? Are you so caught up in the things that you can't think of anything else and it's ruining relationships? Are you the second guy where you have so much that you don't even know what to do with it and you're thinking, hey, I can just sit back and have life to the fullest because I've got things. If either of those places or the place you are, you'll end up empty. You cannot be saved. You cannot have life in things. What's the answer? Be rich toward God. Put your treasure in the eternal. So I'm going to have the worship team come up and we're going to sing one last song. And this is what I want you to do today. I want you to go ahead and stand up. Stand up with me. I want you to stand up and I want you to start being rich toward God right now. Being rich toward God with your voice, with your heart, with your mind. I want you to not think about the things. I want you to just pour your heart out to give everything that you have to God in praise. But the second thing I want you to do is I want you to guard yourself against greed, against coveting. I want you to guard yourself because what happens is these things don't go away and if we don't guard ourselves against greed, we will fall to it and we will miss out on the life that God has for us. So this is, I want you to pour yourself out. I want you to be rich toward God right now. But I want you this week, today, every day this week, I want you to pray, Lord, help me to be more generous towards you. Help me to find my treasure in you. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for for this wonderful church family. And and Lord, your word is so good, but, but your word is good because you are good and your love and your grace and your mercy is good. And you give us, you are, you take pleasure in giving us good things. But Lord, my prayer today for each and every one of us, each and every one of us rich people, is that we wouldn't get stuck on the things, that we wouldn't worship the things, that we wouldn't put all of our hope and trust in the things, but Lord, that we would be rich towards you. Help us to invest today, this week, right now. Help us to invest in the eternal Help us to live for com- completely for you, Lord. I pray that each and every one of us would understand that we will account for our lives 
And I pray, Lord, that you would give us life to the fullest in you. We love you. We offer ourselves to you now, Lord. We praise your name because you are good, and we want to worship you with everything we have. In Jesus' name, amen.